0: Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time around your word. We know that you wrote it so long ago, yet the words speak to us fresh today, this morning. We ask that you would take distractions away. Holy Spirit, just let us hear exactly, Lord, what each one of us in our hearts uh, needs to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing a series on worship. And uh, last week we talked about love. This week about basically worship and our heart and the interaction with how does our heart affect the way we worship. And not just on Sunday mornings. That's one hour out of 168 hours in the week. We're talking about how do we worship our God? How do we worship Jesus on a regular basis? And how's it going for you? We're going to get a little close, a little deep into each of our hearts today, and some of you are like, ah, some of you might have heard the text and thought, the one week I come to church, they're going to talk about money. No, we're not, not at all. In fact, this text has a few different angles to it. We're not going to be talking specifically about the money issue from this text. You may have heard that before. It's good stuff there. But today we're going to be in Mark chapter 10 talking about the heart. I thought I would actually start off the sermon uh, by having everybody stand up. Don't do it. I changed my mind. But I thought, what if I had everybody stand up? And then we would be like, okay, if you never lost power this week, sit down. And then if you've lost power for 10 hours, sit down. Then 20, then 30. Because this is like a contest. Like, I'm talking to people today. Like, I lost it for 60 hours. I'm like, whoa, wow. And then did you lose water? I lost water too. Whoa. And they had to boil them. Oh, I'm like, this is cred. You know, like this is how long I lost it. This is how much water lost. This is, and then I just had this many burst pipes and they were in the ceiling. I mean, you got it, you win. Okay, you got it. So let me tell you about mine because you're wondering, right? Why'd I have this bucket up here? So great Valentine's Day. I even told my wife on, on Sunday, I said, this is okay, you know, I had a wedding that night. It was canceled. We were gonna go to the wedding together. I was gonna do it. Didn't happen. I said, let's spend the day watching rom-coms. That's romantic romantic comedies. And I actually enjoyed it. My wife, this was fun stuff. So we watch that. Go to bed. And about 215 in the morning, my CPAP stops. And thank the Lord for my CPAP. So I reach over, push the button. Like, oh no. And then my ears wake up. I'm like, I hear nothing, you know. And so we have a pool like, oh no, this is like definitely first world problems, but it's a problem. So it's 2.15 in the morning. And I think, what am I going to do? This is, it's well, like 16 degrees. I got to keep this thing going. They tell me, you know, but I thought I got this figured out because I had downloaded, I'm a planner, about two days ago, I downloaded from a pool company, 12 things to do if you lose power and it's under freezing on your pool. I got this. So, They didn't tell me this, but anyway, I put boots on and my pajamas. So I'm going outside, my Bears hat, my jacket, my pajamas and boots, and I'm going out. Everybody else is sleeping because I love them. Don't wake them up. It's all right. So I go outside and I figure I have to make a decision here because, you know, I think the the power is going to come on in 15 to 45 minutes. Let's all laugh. Yeah, 15 to 45 minutes. So it's three o'clock. It had been off for 45 minutes. I'm thinking, and my neighbors on Facebook, they're like, yeah, they said six or 6.30. I'm like, four hours. That's still too much. I got to make a decision here. So I thought, I got to go ahead and sacrifice the pool, drain the equipment. So I start to twist. They're not going. I bend, I bend a screwdriver, all right? This is nuts. I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do? So fortunately, I found this one little place on top of the skimmer basket. Boom, opened it. And all of a sudden you could hear the water. It was like, it was like hearing heaven. Yes, it's draining. So that was a good part. Within 15 minutes, pool's frozen over. I thought I can make money off this, a hockey rink or a, a... <laughs> and then I was thinking, wait, curling, right? You then people actually will sweep it for me while I'm paying them to play curling on it. Anyway, so then I get in and that next thing, I didn't go back to sleep. I'm like, okay, the next problem is pipes are going to freeze. What am I going to do? Turn the water. I should have had the water on already, right? I'm sure all of you did. I didn't. Turn it on, and within about an hour, twop, 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 twop. flush the toilet. Nothing. Like, no! So, my wife and I, we shipped the kids, the ones we had left, we shipped them to the, to the neighbors who had power, you know, in other neighborhoods, you name know, we it. We're gonna stay here with the dog and do this. And this is what happened. What, you know, the pipes are one thing, but all the problems happen afterwards. You wanna keep the house warm. So, we ran, ran out of wood, of course, and we have all these beautiful pallets in the garage we're gonna decorate with. My wife rocks. She's like, honey, you can go ahead and cut those up. We're going to burn them. I'm like, yes. So I made sure I'd had the ones that were heat treated. So don't, please don't text me. and Be like, you just burned toxic. No. These were heat treated. No toxins in these right here. So I'm cutting these up for three days, taking buckets of snow, putting it by the fireplace while we have the, the pallets burning and, and we're doing a puzzle. And I have these buckets. I'm rotating because, you know, you put it by the fire for too long. This is what happens. <laughs> I, I was like, no, I was so disappointed because this was like my best bucket. All the other ones were small. They were pictures you make tea in. This is my bucket. And, and this is what I was doing. I was real intense looking for this piece on the puzzle. You know, my wife, she's not seeing it either. I'm like looking at it and, it. and all of a sudden I see this plastic down here all over my fireplace. What's happening? So if you ever want to look afterwards, this is the grace of God. The line where the water was, was right here. I lost no water. So that's good. Anyway, I I could go on and on, and I'm sure you could too. And why I tell you all these stories in so many details is this. The initial problem was that water eventually was choked off, right? Heats out. You can't heat it. They start to freeze. And my goal in staying there, because y'all were so kind. Many people were like, Pastor, come down to our house. We got this. We got a hot tub. We got it. I'm like, oh, that'd be great. But I'm like, I'm going to stay here and try to keep this house to not freeze, 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 freeze. Right? Do the fire. Get, keep these pipes okay. It didn't work. And that once, the, once the, the flow stopped, a lot of other problems started up, didn't they? Like People were like, yeah, I got power. I'm relaxing. I'm like, not me. I'm cutting up pallets and you know, getting snow water. But that's really how it is with our heart. Is when things start to get choked off and you start to get some coldness. You know, this illustration is wonderful, right? And you start to lose that flow between you and Jesus, it starts to affect your worship. It affects your life. And so many other things start to become issues because you've lost your worshipful connection with Jesus. Right? These pipes, they're no different than our literally our hearts. Think about this picture right here. This is, y'all, some of you have veins like this. We need to pray over your veins. I probably have some. This is a vein with cholesterol, with plaque, right? We all have some. Some are just worse than others. And so what you do when you have that, you realize, oh, I am having trouble breathing, right? Oh, I can't, can't run as fast anymore. I need to go to the doctor, figure something out. And then they do this to you. They give you a? Stint, yeah. You're like, praise God, we live. We can eat as many fried things as we want. Just go get some plavix and stints, and we'll be fine, right? Yeah, the doctors are like, please change your lifestyle. You know, the Bible. The Bible talks over nine hundred times about the heart, and I'm here to tell you, when the Bible talks nine hundred times about the heart, very rarely is it literally talking about these veins and this, this muscle right here. It's talking about the center of you. Who you are the seat of your spirit and that's what we're talking about today when we talk about heart we're not literally talking about a pipe we're not literally talking about a vein we're talking about is your heart your spirit are you starting or have you been so clogged that you're having trouble worshiping jesus and you might remember a time in your life where you were like on fire for the Lord. It might have been like at youth camp, you know, or you got done go with vacation Bible school, or you name it. Or God had seen you through a terrible divorce or something like that as an adult, and now you realize, you know what? It's grown a little cold. My my worship has grown a little cold in my heart. So today we want to see if Jesus can actually thaw that out, thaw that out, and do something. So our first point is this: worship always comes down to a heart issue. It always does. Whether you're able to say, I want to raise my hands, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going to stand, I'm going to fall over, I'm going to, whatever, I am worshiping God. That's a heart issue because you're like, I love Jesus and I don't care what people think about me. That's on fire, right? Or maybe you're a little reserved as a good Lutheran like we are. You're like, I'm so excited about Jesus, but I'm just going to kind of maybe go like this a little bit. That's okay, but you're still on fire for Jesus. That's a heart issue. It's good. But when we start to to, to lose that, we need to kind of do a spiritual makeover and say, Lord, what's going on? So today, today we're going to ask the question, where is your heart when it comes to Jesus? That's all we want to know. Where is it when it comes to Jesus? We're going to look at this text today and believe it or not, this text is going to reveal quite a bit, not about this man's heart, but it's going to reveal a lot about your heart and Jesus's heart for you. So here's the first thing this, te- this text will, will remind us. Our heart can be filled with wrong motives. If you're having a a worship problem and you don't feel close to the Lord and you're having all these issues and you're like, I don't even know if I wanna go. Uh, I don't don't feel anymore. That's okay. Feelings are okay, but let's deal with this. And one of the things that could be a problem is our heart could be filled with wrong motives. Now look at the text and look what this guy says. Um, Mark tells us in verse 17, it says, as Jesus started on his way, A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, on the surface, this guy had some good motives. He's asking Jesus. He's like, man, you're good. He's like, I got to ask you a question. He's like, hey, how can I get eternal life? But if you incorporate this verse with the rest of scripture, you got to kind of wonder where this guy's heart is. Notice looking closely there, it doesn't say he went to Jesus privately. It doesn't say he went to Jesus while he was eating in a home with just a few people. It says, while Jesus was on the way. Do you ever read about Jesus being on the way and there being nobody around? No, you hear about Jesus being on the way and there's tons of people. So you got this guy who probably is a self-righteous individual. It's going to say, I'm going to keep all these laws. I'm going to show everybody that I can do this. I'm rich. I'm I'm good. I am self-righteous. And in fact, I'm going to kneel before this. I'm going to kneel before this guy right here. And people far and wide, because he's not in a private, but he's, but he's you know, on the way. Everybody's going to see. So even though they don't know what's in my heart and my spirit, they're going to say, well, that, that man must be pretty humble. Boy, that man is honoring that rabbi over there. He's kneeling before him when all of a sudden inside, it's a lot different. You ever been there? Where your motives are like this, but everybody else thinks your motives are that. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It's matter. It's you and Jesus. What are my motives? Why am I coming to Jesus? Is it just because he's a vending machine and he's going to get me out of this situation and get me something good? Well, that's all right. That's not what Jesus wants. He wants something more for you. And remember, it's about you and Jesus. So the interaction... Continues. Oh, look, before I, I, I leave that, check this out. Remember he says, what must I do to inherit the eternal life? You can really tell this guy is stuck on himself and his works and the laws because he thinks he can do something to get to heaven. This is like 101. If you open the Bible, this is why Jesus came because we can't do it. We can't keep the law perfectly. We can't even keep a little bit of it. Jesus does it for us. And we know that we get to heaven solely through faith in him and his works. Okay? So, guys, motives, a little off. Next thing we learn is our heart can also become a scorekeeper. That's not good. A scorekeeper. Some of y'all live with scorekeepers. Some of y'all are like, I can't live with myself. I'm a scorekeeper. Look look at this guy says. So, basically, uh, Jesus continues. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, you should not give false testimony, don't defraud anybody, honor your father and mother. And here's the guy's reply, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Just let that sink in for a second. All the commandments that you tell me, Jesus, I've kept those since I was a boy. About 20 years ago, I was in seminary, St. Louis, and I was listening to KFUO, which was uh, the Lutheran radio station in town. And every, uh, so often there was a pastor on there, and he would have a little program where he would talk through specific uh, studies in the Bible, like different topics. Well, this particular day, he was talking through the topic of sin. And he was talking about the reality that we have original sin. We're all born with a sinful nature, a predisposition to sin, if you will. And then every day we actually commit actual sins. We sin every day and nobody is sinless each day. And I remember this because it was so kind of kind of funny. This lady calls in and serious as can be. She calls in and she says, hey, I have not sinned in 12 years. Can you imagine living with her? Can you imagine that if it was your wife, your sister, or your mother-in-law? <laughs> yeah, I haven't sinned in 12 years. Come on now. But be, before I judge her and before I judge him, let me tell you how this works. When you're a scorekeeper, you want to give yourself security by thinking, okay, there's certain things that at least I can do perfectly and God will love me and people will think I'm good around me. Do you live that way? You're like, I know I can mess up in these ways, but there's some stuff I just want to do so right so that people will, will at least have some you know, credibility for me. I used to do this when I was six years old. Six years old. I remember this. Check this out. For some reason, I remember this verse. I don't know why. In the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, part B, the second part of the verse. It says, and this is a, a paraphrase, it says, uh, if you call somebody a fool, you will be damned to hell. So I am a six-year-old thinking, I'm going to hold this one. I got this one. I am never going to use the word fool, and I will be in heaven. I'll be set. <laughs> so not, that wasn't good enough for me. I remember distinctly when any of my family members or friends would call somebody or use the word fool, I would go, Matthew five twenty-two, part B, you're going to hell. I was a six-year-old Pharisee. Yes, that's terrible. I confess. And then I grew up to be a pastor. I'm glad I'm a Lutheran pastor because I got to learn about grace. But, you know, we do that. Why did I hold on to those? Yeah, I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel that I was self-righteous, just like this guy. And we've all found, you know what? That's a worship heart problem. We cannot worship God if we're holding on to the laws and thinking, I got this. It's Jesus, not the law, has to be king of my heart. The third point is this. Our heart can become attached to the wrong goal. To the wrong goal. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. We're going to come back to that in a second. One thing you lack, he says, go sell everything you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great, great wealth. Now, is Jesus giving us a proclamation telling us that, hey, if you have wealth, you need to give everything away? No. What Jesus is doing is he's pulling at that heart string that particularly that guy had a problem with. His worship was money. His God and his king was wealth. And you could tell that life probably was not going well for him. He probably put money above relationships, money above people, and money definitely above Jesus because the text tells us that he went away sad. He actually gave Jesus up for money. So what what was the response? What response does Jesus always have for your heart? What was Jesus' response to that? Jesus probably knew how he was gonna answer, but what does it say? The text tells us that, that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. I love that part. That's my favorite part of this whole text. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He didn't tell him, you self-righteous man, get out of my face. <laughs> he said, hey, I think I see the problem. If you can just work on this, I think, I think the flow will come back in your heart. I think the calloused coldness will be thawed. I think our, our relationship will get better and I know that will help the relationships with those around you. You wanna love one another, you gotta get that love from Jesus first. You can't give what you don't have. And so today, we wanna ask ourselves, where is that with me? Yours might not be wealth, But there may be other things that you're holding on to that God's like, hey, we need to let that go so that I can now be the head of your worship so that that nothing will get in the way between you and me. King David, King David, thousand years before Jesus, he had some of these same struggles. He knew that even though he was described as a man who was after God's own heart, that his heart would get pulled away and that his heart would have different goals, different scorekeeping, different, different models. And here's what he said to God in, in Psalm 139. He says, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way to everlasting. That's a bold and sometimes a scary thing to say. God, I may not know my heart, but you do. So just like you did to this guy, Jesus, would you search my heart? lead me? Is there any offensive way in me? And then what? After you take that away, guide me in the way to everlasting. So it leads us to the final question. What heartwork work needs to be done for you to truly worship Jesus as King? What needs to be done? This might get you thinking, and I'll close with this. If I were to ask you right now, knowing most of you here and, and probably who's online, uh, most, not all, but most, if I ask you, is Jesus your Savior? Hopefully you would say yes. If you don't say yes, talk to somebody before you leave. Text us, let us know. We want to help you know Jesus is your Savior. But let's say you do. So Yet yeah, Jesus is my Savior. Can you also say that Jesus is my Lord and King? Notice the two two different things there. He can be your savior, but he may not be the Lord and king of your life. You may have something like this man that is holding you back, that is clogging the connection between you and Jesus. And that's where God wants you to be. That's where I want you to be. That's why we, we share this today, is that we want you to be able to say, Jesus is my Savior, my Lord and King. Jesus is my Savior, I worship Him. Jesus is my Savior, I don't worship anything else. Jesus is my Savior, my Lord and King. So we're gonna leave you with that on this Sunday. To ponder, let Jesus, let Him search your heart. Find if there is any way that is grievous or not of Him and lead you to the way that's everlasting. Amen, amen.